2: Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. The Telegraph. The
3: Telegraph.
2: Podcasts.
4: Hi there. Before the final episode of our week of Audio Football Club, I'd just like to say a big thank you to everyone who's emailed us at afcpodcast.telegraph.co.uk to tell us what they've made of this week. We would welcome more of your emails, especially about the show that's about to follow. Tell us what you want, we'll try and make it a reality. Bring me my theme tune. Hi there, podcast fans. I'm Tom Gibbs. Welcome to Telegraph Audio Football Club. A very exciting episode today. It's a first for AFC. It's a women's football special. This could very well be the biggest year ever for the women's game. It's one of the country's fastest growing sports. There's a World Cup on the horizon. Even better, England are pretty good and have got a pretty good chance. What better time than to start looking ahead to the tournament and just under a month out from its opening game at Parc de Prince on 7th of June. We're going to discuss some of the issues in the women's game and speak to Arsenal's Jordan Nobbs to get her thoughts on the Women's Super League, FA Cup and Champions League finals. Let's take you now into the audio recording facility where I'm joined by the host of the Offside Rule podcast, Women's Football Authority. It's Kate Borsay. So how are you, Kate?
2: Men's and women's. Thank you, Chuck. Okay. Yes, but for yeah. this, women's, right?
4: Absolutely. Forget <laughs> everything you know about men's football, please. For the Forget next... everything
2: I know about men.
4: Yeah. Oh, I'm on board. I'm on board. <laughs> Alongside her, we have comedian, as heard on radios 1, 2 and 4 Extra, Ella Woods. Welcome, Ella. What's Hi. going on?
5: So much. Yes. I'm here. I'm ready to talk about football. I'm very excited.
4: Fantastic. Glad to hear it. Completing our lineup, it's my Telegraph colleague, Hadra Rahim.
5: Hello. How
1: are you? Good. Thank you. I'm great. Excited to talk about women's football. I'm a newbie to the women's football scene, so I'm excited to learn and talk about it.
4: Fantastic. I'm sure many of our listeners are in that same boat with you. Have you ever been in the audio recording facility before? I haven't.
1: I've witnessed it from the outside. So this is the first time I feel honoured.
4: Good. As you should do. It's a hallowed and holy place. Let's just start by um, introducing ourselves a little bit. Um, I'd like to know from each of you, we'll go left to right from Kate, what your current levels of interest are in women's football?
2: I mean, I just don't follow it at all. No, I do. <laughs>
0: it's uh, a disaster. Cancel sorry. the podcast. That's
2: it. That's it. Press stop. Uh, my current interest in football, um, I cover men's and women's football. I also cover straight news, by the way. So I, So I can speak about Brexit if you want. I can try and make some awful cliches. And some comparisons between Theresa May and Arsene Wenger or something. Uh, But at the moment, I'm doing a lot of women's football, as you can imagine, with the squad announcement and also as we build up to the World Cup. And the offside rule will be doing a regular World Cup podcast as well. Am I allowed to get a plug in there, even though it's a rival?
4: 100% cut, I'm afraid, (laughs) Kate. How about you, Ella?
5: I would describe myself as an enthusiastic novice. Um, So I just did a show at Edinburgh last year called Wing Defence, which was a comedy show about sport by someone really bad at it. (laughs) And it was partly inspired by uh, watching the 2015 Women's World Cup and crying because I'd never seen men, as I was watching it with my ex at the time, which wasn't the reason I was crying. (laughs) um, But I'd never seen, you know, men watching women playing football like it was totally normal. And it blew my mind, right? And uh, you know, a couple of other things happened. I was got diagnosed with high cholesterol and high blood pressure. Legend at twenty six, um, and I had to get back into sports. What sport, have you been doing? Uh, eating a lot of fish and chips. Oh, okay. A lot so- of fish and chips. <laughs> yeah. This um, girl can. This girl can, but not anymore. <laughs> this girl can if she also has Benicoll. So this girl cod. This girl cod. Oh. <laughs> Kate's won the podcast right there. Yay. Um... So I had to get back into sport and watching the Women's World Cup actually inspired me to get back into exercise and to not feel bad about being a woman running with her thighs moving because I'm a human being. And uh, yeah, I'm really, really excited for the Women's World Cup 2019 and to try and develop my knowledge a bit more.
4: Excellent. Hadri, you said you're an enthusiastic novice. What, why is it this Women's World Cup, which is going to be the one that's going to put you over the edge?
1: Well, I think, um, so I mean, we talked about it before, but I am a massive Liverpool fan. And part of the reason that I kind of really enjoy following them on social media is that they talk a lot about the women's team. And I thought, you know what, I should probably take an interest in the women's team as well because they're really interesting. They, you know, they put them front and centre. And also my niece plays for um, a team back at home in Edinburgh. And when I went to watch her the first time and got behind her, she was absolutely mortified at the fact that I was screaming to get her to score a goal. (laughs) She thought I was joking when I told her I would do it. And I, you know, I was watching her. And when I told her that I might go and see a women's football match, just out of interest, I wanted to see, you know, what it's like to experience that kind of atmosphere. Um, She was so much more excited than, you know, potentially being able to go and see a Liverpool match. And that kind of, that in and of itself. But also, I want to be able to encourage my friends and other women around me to support women in sport. Um, And I think 2019 Women's World Cup, what an opportunity to do that. It's going to be a worldwide event, and I'm hoping that it's, you know, going to drive more women to watch sport. So I want to try and develop my knowledge, like you, Ella, and uh, make a go of it.
4: Yeah, this does feel like a big one, Kate. It's, it feels like it's a perfect time for anyone who's slightly on the edge about the sport to, to really get engaged with it this summer.
1: It
2: is a chance and it comes off the back of so many interesting lines to do with women's football in this country and in other countries as well. There's a huge pay dispute, legal action going on in, in, the, in the USA, which we may speak about later. Um, them asking for parity and, in effect. the USA women's team bringing in more cash than the men's over the last three years, which is interesting. Here in the UK, here in England, it's a little bit different, of course. But we've seen what has been a groundswell of major brands back women's football. And we've also got a character like Phil Neville in charge, who's known in the men's game. That was no coincidence by the FA. It's all part of a big move to integrate women's football in this country, so much so that top-level clubs like Manchester City, Arsenal don't have a women's football instagram or twitter account predominantly they tweet both men's and women's results from the same account so this level of parity which is being introduced in england is so important we've you know we are getting to know household names within the england team and of course the expectation is the only thing that might be our downfall but that expectation we need
5: to run with it for now
4: the cup final just gone did you all watch that
5: I was up Ben Nevis. Okay, (laughs) That's that's an all right excuse. (laughs) I did not, but I did a lot of reading about it. And um, I read something actually that broke my heart from Georgia Stanway, which was the most lovely quote that she said that was, if we inspire 10 girls, we've done our job, but hopefully today we inspire thousands. And that was just so wonderful to read and I can imagine was wonderful to hear firsthand and just the importance of that match being broadcast on BBC One. I mean, that was unheard of, you know, a few years ago.
4: There's two elements to that, aren't there? Because it's great that it's on BBC One. It means it's getting to an enormous amount of people. But it's, as Kate was saying, it's about that normalization of it. It's about bringing boys and girls up to see mm-hmm. that, that the women's sport can happen. And it is a thing, <laughs> you know, almost that, you know, yeah. here it is. And, and, and this can happen if you're a young girl.
2: I was there at the game on Saturday, sitting in the Crowns. I took my daughter, who's nine, Molly, and her best mate, Scarlett, who plays in the mixed football team at school. Scarlett was a bit more engaged than my daughter, who at one point turned around to me and said, just give me your phone, I'll even play an educational game. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, school no. one for the girls, Molly, well done. <laughs> she knows that I'm really into football, but, you know, that's the thing. You can't force young girls into football, but you can expose it to to them without ramming it down their necks and actually Molly sat there for most of the 90 minutes before that phone comment which will go down in history. What you notice in that game, you know, particularly the West Ham fans who outnumbered the Man City fans and quite a few of them coming from West Ham's game uh, rushing across London to get to Wembley to get to the game in time, there were tons of West Ham fans there, and that was proud dads. That was groups of guys coming from the earlier game, um, and and families. And and when I say families, I mean you know families with boys and girls in them. It was an event, and the FA Cup having been there and covered it for the last gosh four years or so it is always like that there's a great sense of community you don't really think about the fact that you're watching women's football you just think that you're there watching an event and and I'll always recommend it to families because it's a great way to experience Wembley Mm,
4: very true obviously this wasn't really happening when certainly when I was young and not so much when when any of us were were in our youths um how, how much difference would it have made to you, had and had there been what there is now uh, in, in how you felt about sport, your participation uh, or your interest in participating in sport when you were younger?
1: I mean, I think I, I played netball when I was in school. I never was much of a football fan. However, I think it's all about exposure. If you see things, nowadays it's all about social media, isn't it? So if you see things on social media, you see things on television, so all it takes is for one thing to spike your interest. And I think that is really important for me personally. That's what got me involved in football in the first place. I saw so many of my friends were involved and it made me want to... I was like, OK, well, OK, I should probably learn a little bit about this and get involved. And I think if I saw more of them on television and, like you're saying, on your social feeds, and I think that would really encourage me to be more involved. But also, to be fair, when I was at school... There was never any encouragement for girls to just join the football team for the sake of it, or the rugby team, or any team for that matter, or to for them to mix between men and, well, men and women. Um, we never had that. Whereas nowadays, there's so much encouragement. Just get involved in any sport. It doesn't matter if you're a boy or a girl. Um, and I think it also stems right down to like, how young boys treat young girls, and I've My niece came home to me, um, she called me actually, and she said that she was on the playground, she was playing football, she's on a football team, and she said that one of the boys on the playground turned around to her and was like, you can't play football because Mm. you're a girl. She was absolutely devastated. It still Uh, happens,
2: it definitely still happens, I can absolutely promise you that there is still some predetermined, preconceived idea, and I don't know where it comes from, and it's about conditioning I suppose as well, but boys... My daughter's school, for example, will still say, "Why are you playing with us, or we don't want to play with the girls because they're not as good as us?" so there are still there are still huge leaps and bounds for us to um, achieve in order to get past that but I think you can only lead by example and that's that's kind of what we're seeing more of now is that more girls sticking their head above the parapet and going do you know what blow you I'm I, I you know I am going to show you my skills it's just it's just you need that encouragement right from grassroots and when I say grassroots when these kids are 3 and 4
4: it seems to me that there can often just be one moment in young women's lives where they just completely shut it down. There's just a horrible uh, encounter that makes them think, well, I'm not doing that anymore. It's not for me. Does that ring true?
5: Absolutely. I. It's a, a different sport, so it's to do with cricket, but with sport in general. Um, we, in year six, had a girls' cricket team start at my school, and I got involved, and I loved it, and I ended up being the third best cricket bowler in Sussex, girls under 12. Wow. <laughs> awesome. But, you know, I sort of got to secondary school really pumped up. And I go to the P department and I'm like, uh, yeah, where do I sign up for cricket? And with a flat, oh, yeah, we don't have that here. It's just, it's just for boys. And that was it. And that immediately was just the kind of final nail in the coffin. You know, I could have fought harder. I could have gone to join the team, but I didn't see anyone doing that. I didn't see anyone mm-hmm. on the telly. I didn't see anyone in the papers. You know, even the biggest film that was out when we were younger that had any women playing sport in was Bend It Like Beckham. But even then, the moral of Bend It Like Beckham, even though it's a great film, is, you know, girls can play football, but probably not really in the UK, so go to America where people care. <laughs> also, football was one of those things where all the men would huddle in the living room.
1: This was back in the day when Manchester United were, you know, the best thing that ever happened. My dad's a huge Man United fan, that causes problems now. But um, <laughs> when, yeah, they'd sit in the living room, huddle around the television, and they'd all be screaming and swearing, and it was kind of like, you should leave the room because, you know, all the, you know the uncles and everyone are swearing, you need to leave the room. Never to discourage me from watching the sport. But... For me, that kind of created that separation. I was like, okay, well, men are going to watch the sport. They're going to yell. They're going to get ready. I don't really want to be a part of that. But now that I have become a bit of a football fan, my dad absolutely loves the fact that he can share in that enjoyment mm. with me. And the fact that he doesn't treat me like I'm a total idiot when I say something that might potentially be wrong, he's like, oh, well, actually, you know, here's the point. And I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, no, you're right. And he's like, yeah, but this is, this is how you learn. And that is so important. I think if you're not treated like, you know, being stupid because you don't know you know, what the defence is or what offside is, that would encourage more women and young girls to learn and try to get involved. Definitely. Let me chuck a bit of a fact in here for you as well,
2: which is not very well known. What we do know is that businesses with women in charge perform better. I think the figures from Ernst & Young were something like companies with women, with at least 30% women on the board, have a 6% um, better Um, rate of making huge amounts of money. Let's just put it like that in that technical phraseology. (laughs) Um, What is good for women in business? What is good for business people who've played team sports? Statistically proven, if you're a girl and you play team sports at school, you are more likely to successfully head up a team at a big business or within a big corporate become one of those board members. There's a direct correlation between girls playing sport and girls achieving really good things in business. We don't talk about that stuff enough. All that is so important.
1: You can see that young girls like I can see how much of an impact my niece playing football has on her assertiveness. She's so assertive, there's no glass ceiling, she can achieve absolutely anything she wants and it's something I absolutely adore about her. And all the girls on that team, they're so confident and they don't let anything stop them. Or It's just amazing and I, I can absolutely see that being the case.
4: Before we get into some more exacting discussions about the World Cup, can you give me the tedious, cliched objections to watching women's football that we can obliterate once and for all, now, here in the audio recording facility. What are you really <laughs> sick of hearing, Kate, as a reason not to watch women's football?
2: Oh, the men's team would beat them any day. Of course they would. <laughs> it's a different sport, for God's sake.
5: <laughs> My favourite one is just a friend genuinely said this to me. It's just not as good. Like, what do you mean? Like It's just not as good. Like, mm, Yeah, it's boring. You yeah, get that as well. Yeah. It's boring.
2: Have you ever sat down and watched and engaged with a proper game of women's football? Probably
1: not. No, Madness. or you you can't be a fan because you don't know the rules. I hate that. I mm-hmm. hate that. Oh well, you don't know the rules about how football works, so why would you? Why would you watch women's sport? No, I am sorry, that's ridiculous. You can learn anything, and nobody should be able to stop us from doing that. Anyone for that matter. It, it, it applies to men and women. You should be able to learn something new, and I hate that.
2: The other one I hate is that she's the female Messi. She's the female Steven Gerrard. Again, yeah. Again, it's you know, and I say it's a different sport because. You know, you can't pit men and women on a football pitch past a certain age and it be equal. It just it just isn't. The men's game is a lot more physical. The women's game in certain parts is a lot more organised, can be a lot more technical. So it's different. And comparing Frank Kirby, as former England manager Mark Sampson did, to her, to, uh, to being the mini Messi just about made me want to throw my papers out of the window. So, yeah, you know, women's footballers should aspire to be like great women's footballers.
4: There you go. World set entirely to rights. What about this World Cup then coming up in France? Uh, are any of you planning to go this summer?
5: I would love to. I'm going to the warm up game at the Amex. I am a seagull, um, so I'm going to Not see. Literally. <laughs> Not literally. <laughs> no. Um, although we do both love chips, so there's a lot of <laughs>
4: yes. yes, there's
5: a lot of uh, synergy there. Mm. Uh, So I'm going to my beloved Amex to see England play. I think it's one of their final games before they head off on the 1st of June Mm. against New Zealand, who are currently ranking pretty low. So (laughs) I'm excited to see the match. Fingers crossed we win. Um, And then fingers crossed I can try and get over to France, but we'll see.
4: Who are the favourites, Kate? Who are we expecting to win the tournament?
5: So world
2: number one team, USA. (laughs) USA. favorites, but they have had a pretty much 50% change of roster since the Women's World Cup in 2015, which they won when Carly Lloyd scored that delicious hat-trick against Japan in the final. They are a force of women's football, USA. There's no doubt about it. They've got enough attacking prowess. Alex Morgan, they've got players like Tobin Heath, who's able to do, you know, technically brilliant things with the ball. Um, What they don't have and what they can be a bit iffy with is their defence, Hope Solo, who's their infamous goalkeeper, a real powerhouse, a real force within the game, no longer playing within the side. Um, So I think you'll see lots and lots of goals from USA, but it depends whether that inexperience within the team, they were one of the oldest teams out in Canada, but it, it totally depends whether the inexperience within their team will be drowned out by um, everyone else coming at them. Um, so USA definitely one to watch. I think we also need to mention France, and I know um, you mentioned it earlier as well. Um, what's interesting about France is they have a history. This is this is quite a loose connection, but they have a history, do they not, of winning home-based tournaments, okay? 1998, 98, 1998. France, Men's World Cup, they did it. They won the last World Cup, of course, so there is a bit of an expectation there. And what's going on in France at the moment is there's loads of moves um, behind all the footballing bigwigs to try and promote the game. So, for example, the first woman to take charge of a League 1 game happened a little while ago. They've had over 25,000 there to see uh, a game involving Lyon. Um, and there is there are loads of moves within the country. It's a bit similar to the men's, actually. Tons and tons of individual talent But expectation not always to achieve the most. So I would love to see it come together for France and a bit like the Netherlands during the women's Euros. I'd love to see that home advantage um, really, really send them through and and have a fantastic competition. What, What I don't want them to do, of course, is drown out England. Of course, I'd love England to go on and do it. They aren't one of the favourites, but they are close to it, and I think we'll just have to see how they do when they get past the group
4: stage. Yeah, what about England? We had the squad dribbled out over social media. Mm. Uh, One post at a time, one player at a time on Wednesday morning. The great and the good of the country taking part. Glamorous names, Duke of Cambridge, Ellie Goulding, James Corden, Jordan Pickford. Did you enjoy the reveal, Hadra, (laughs) as a piece of social media?
1: I didn't see it.
4: Oh, Hadra. I'm sorry.
5: Royal Baby drains everything out. I'm sorry. I didn't see it. But someone tell me about it. (laughs) It was, I absolutely loved it, actually. I could see there was a little bit of controversy, perhaps, you know, with people saying, oh, they wouldn't ever do the men's team like this. Maybe it's insulting to the women's squad. It's not at all. To me, I think women's football is trying to get that mass crowd involved. It's trying to appeal to people. You're not trying to appeal to people that already care about women's football. You're trying to appeal to people who care about a World Cup. And who are going to be excited by us bringing it home, basically. So... Yeah, get some famous people to get excited about it. Get them to show that, you know what, this is exciting, this matters, this counts. I thought it was absolutely brilliant. I loved it.
4: How much do we how much stock do we put into that? Uh what sort of team are they? And how far are they going to go?
5: Look,
2: they have a real chance in this tournament, and I think I'm expecting them to get to the semifinals. Um
4: Is that what the target is? Would Phil Neville be happy with that?
2: I think Phil Neville would be happy with that. During the last World Cup in 2015, um, we reached that semi-final stage and then we went on to play Germany in in the third place playoff and we won that game. So he picked up a bronze medal and we were so cruelly dispatched from Canada in 2015 with with the own goal from Laura Bassett, um, which made her kind of a household name for all the the wrong reasons, but we all felt desperately sorry for her. So there is, I think, for a large part of the England squad, um, they have uh, to make amends they need to correct that because because it because it was such a fluke and we were all completely shocked by how far England had come and then to kind of go out to an own goal was just horrible within the dying minutes of the game so um people like steph um uh, Horton, the captain will be driving us through and, and and I think we've we've got a really healthy mix there of experience and also debutantes as well I think 11 players um, will be appearing in a World Cup for the first time what we've also got is some um, exciting attacking prowess as well I was really sorry that Izzy Christiansen didn't make the team I thought that that was a huge shame Um, but she's obviously not kind of in good enough shape in terms of her fitness Um, I think to look at perhaps the world's best right-back Lucy Bronze in there, um, to look at some fantastic goalkeeping talent in the ever-reliable Karen Bardsley, um, to look at Tony Duggan, who's been at Barcelona for a couple of years now, Frank Kirby, who's now fit again, Beth Mead, who's had such a great season for Arsenal, and Nikita Paris, who's only been behind Miramar in terms of the WSL top scorers. It's going to be exciting, and there's nothing that worries me at all about this team. Phil Neville, uh, he's had eight games in charge. I think he's won seven and drawn one. Um, he He's become a real favourite amongst the players. You know, they are really, really shine to him. And I think we are seeing England play in a very organised way, but they're able to excite us and they're able to pull something out of the bag. And a bit like when they played Brazil in the She Believes Cup, they went 1-0 down and ended up winning at 2-1. So they know how to pull from behind as well. Um, the She Believes was was, was a great marker it's not the be-all and end-all of course it's not because there are only selective teams there but we'll take great confidence from that and nothing nothing worries me about what I've seen from this England team you know there's no concern other than that if there's perhaps too much pressure on them and it's the wrong kind of pressure before the tournament that they might because of their inexperience in you know in the big media glare they might buckle under that but no
4: let's talk about the future of the women's game Um, the Barclays sponsorship is coming of the WSL. 2.2 million people watch the cup final on BBC. You've even got Rachel Yankee and Katie Chapman playing at Soccer Aid this year. Of course, we are increasing our coverage all the time at The Telegraph as well, most importantly of all. What does that tell you about the state of the game?
5: it is changing i ended my uh, my last show by encouraging people to go to the world cup to try and harness that world cup fever they'd had in 2018 and take it to france and just think guys it is coming Home. (laughs) If we believe it enough, it will happen. We've got to
1: encourage each other. I think that's the most important thing. As soon as I tell people, I'm like, yeah, I think I'm going to go and watch a match. They're like, oh, actually, I think I may Mm -hmm. come with you. I think also, I mean, as you mentioned, I feel like female empowerment right now is it's really having its moment. It shouldn't be a moment. It should be all the time. But it's having its moment. And that's really kind of made me want to get into football and really support them. And um, yeah, I think if more of my... Friends wanted to go and watch sports. I would go with them and make it a group thing. And make it an event, just like going to dinner, or whatever. It was actually somebody who said to me recently. It's just like what, like um going to a concert, watching a band. You might not know everything about them. You might not, uh, you know, be super interested in that genre of music, but you enjoy this music. There is absolutely nothing that should stop you from going to watch football just because you don't know everything. As I said, I think it needs to be a group thing. If I said if I saw it more on social media, if I saw you know, more programmes about, you know, what's happening in the sport or like you said, like with this announcement, stuff that makes it funny that everyone can get involved in. I think that would encourage my friends to go and see it more.
2: And that's what this Women's World Cup will do. You'll see men and women watching the games together and when there's a culture of that, a bit like during the Men's World Cup, I'd have all my mum friends over and their partners and their kids and we'd all watch it together and there's a certain sense of community around it. That's going to happen during this World Cup as well. Men and women are going to watch it together and you're going to set up a WhatsApp group perhaps and it'll be called Let's Watch Football, whatever. <laughs> uh, really imaginative title there, Kate. I must work on that. Who knows time. what the time. pitch your icon's going to be a (laughs) football (laughs) anyway. So, look, there are going to be WhatsApp groups, chains of communication set up, and I really insist that you must carry those into the season as well because sometimes it feels that as women and as men sometimes we're so obsessed with looking at Instagram feeds, looking perfect, having the latest thing, um, that we've forgotten about sheer guttural competitive support You know, we can really get behind this and it can be a base level. It can literally be, come on, my team, you know. We shouldn't be afraid to do this. We shouldn't be so obsessed with looking perfect the whole time and we should get behind instead just simple, competitive,
4: guttural support. What do you think would be the tipping point when it feels like, okay, women's football has got to where it wants to be?
5: I think something as silly as, you know, match of the day. It blows my mind that you can have... Match the day and match the day two. Two shows, men's football, all of them. And yet I can't, you know, you may watch the women's football show. There's, you know, a way to watch women's football. Right. But it's not set in stone. It's not part of our heritage. It's not something that is just respected as a national, you know, a, a national milestone, a cornerstone rather of our culture. I think when I first saw years ago, Claire Balding did a programme about women's football back in the 20s and when they were banned from playing FA clubs. And that blew my mind, you know, to think it was on a par with men's football. We were absolutely equal. People were seeing the same skills. People were coming to the matches. People were following it. And it fell away through no, well, for political reasons, it completely fell away. And so I think when we can start to get those crowds back when we can start to get people excited and actually making more of the fact that that is how women's football kind of fell off the radar, getting people aware of the fact it wasn't due to the game being rubbish. It was politics. That's awful. It's 2019. Let's get behind people. You know, it's a game, but it's fun fun and we should encourage people to get involved so
1: even just I was talking to you the other day Tom or yesterday I was like where can I watch like an actual kind of tactical analysis of the FA Cup final and you were like Mm, I'm not entirely sure you should be able to find it here BBC went on there I could see the two minute highlights I was absolutely raging Mm -hmm. I was like this is ridiculous don't get me wrong love men's football love being able to get the tactical analysis at, at the end but I want the same for women's football I should be able to access that yeah
2: are you talking visually or are you talking written down or just anything? Well,
1: written down, you can find it. I, I, yeah, it was Telegraph, like, for example, yeah, does some exactly. great stuff. I find yes, it, but support. I want to see it visually. There should be a Match of the Day. There should be some yeah. sort of breakdown because that's also, it encourages people to watch it and then they learn. Yeah. How else do you expect people to
2: learn? It takes money to make those programmes, but you're absolutely right in that although there are various programmes out there, when we don't have anything benchmarked like Match of the Day where we know, come hell or high water, we are, we are going to get that coverage there's a whole argument about how fixtures are really not that regular within the women's game there's huge gaps between fixtures and that's not helping us but if we can start to try and get regular coverage somehow even if it's going abroad right when england when the when the top WSL teams are on a break because of england duty you know let's let's try and get something regular set up
4: Good. I'm feeling inspired. I'm ready to play a football match now. I think that's the whole point of this podcast is making me <laughs> ready to play a football match. you join the
1: league, guys? <laughs> Let's
5: do it. Five aside.
4: We cannot let this episode elapse without a contribution from a women's footballer. Who better than Arsenal and England's Jordan Nobbs, who is, of course, also a columnist for Telegraph Women's Sport. Jordan joins me on the line now. Hi, Jordan. This is Tom. How are you doing?
3: Yeah, good. Thank you,
4: Jordan. First of all, let's talk about England. Phil Neville named his squad earlier in the week for the World Cup. Were there any surprise names in the list of players going to France?
3: To be honest, I don't think there was. I think you know Phil had, had a, a set squad um, for quite a while, and I think it was going to go down to just you know one or two players who'd been in that you know in and out through people being injured and and the system. So you know, I'm, I'm sure Phil. Um, you know, newest squad, but um I think overall it's it's quite a set set team in, in what he's been, you know, progressing over the last year.
4: Are there any players in in the list who you think are gonna kinda of make a breakthrough? Is this the tournament where you think by the end of it we'll all know their names?
3: <laughs> I mean, um I think Nikita Paris has been, you know, on fire this season and, and scoring goals for fun, so I think, um, you know, she's in a great place and, and had a great season with lots of confidence. So I think um, she can be a, a very big highlight to England, scoring goals and, and progressing through the tournament. You know, you've you've got your Georgia Stanways and, and Kira Walsh, who, you know, I think Kira has um, really developed over the last year as a, a national and, you know, looks like she's set a place in that team. So I think she's had a, a great few games and, and gives filler a great player to progress over the next few years as a lioness.
4: Yeah, let's hope so. On to your club, Jordan. First title in six years for Arsenal. How yeah. how did they win the league this season?
3: I mean, uh, we're all talking about Joe, our manager. Um, you know, we've we've had great teams, but I think he's he's took us and driven us in the right direction. I think if you don't have a manager who's, um, you know playing the way you do or understanding us as people. and um, it's hard to have that driving force on the pitch so he's been, you know, the main the main reason but also I mean we've got a lot of talent on the pitch for him to choose from and um we just all clicked from minute one this season and you know, we have slight rules with Joe and then he just wants us to be as free as possible and I think our our front six players um you know, have been unstoppable this season of just rotating around, moving, um, you know, and causing havoc in them areas. And then, you know, we've had one of our best seasons of not conceding goals this year, which I think, you know, the likes of Man City have done in the past, and that's why they've won league titles.
4: Yeah, you talk about the, the power of your attacking options. Uh, Vivian Miedemar and Daniel van der Donk uh, uh, are up there in the top scorers list, along with Nikita Paris and Georgia Stanway of Man City. Is it fair to say at the moment the WSL is a league that's all about attacking? The, the team with the best attack wins it.
3: <laughs> uh, I mean, obviously that's the main part of football: scoring goals. So um, it's key to have that, uh, you know, attribute. But I think with Arsenal we have a lot of dynamic players, and I think we have players that can move out wide. Um, and stay out wide, I think we have wingers who can be centre forwards, and I think that's been key to us to allowing you've all have that freedom and going forward. So, you know, I think that's why we've been so creative scoring goals this year. But, yeah, I mean, to, to win the league, you've you've got to have goal scorers, but also I think you've just got to have your own system and believe in that system. You know, you look at Man City, I think they've had a set way of playing. You know, Chelsea, they have a bit more freedom and um, we're different again with the way we play as Arsenal. So, I think it's just getting the right players to fit in that system and, and how you, you know, can... Um, highlight their strengths is, is how you're going to, you know, win, win league titles.
4: Manchester United, of course, will be joining Arsenal in the WSL next year, promoted in their first season under Casey Stoney. Are they going to be a big force immediately in their first year in the top flight?
3: I think they will be because, you know, they, they took the, I mean, a kind of decision to, to start in the lower league to then obviously, you know, maybe Casey to develop a squad and, um, you know, go in that right direction and and do it properly. So I think the fact that she's now progressed in the top league, I think it's great for the women's game to have a top club like Man United, Um, you know, pushing another women's team to, to win titles. And I think it's exciting for our league to have another top, top club involved. And, you know, Casey Stoney has got so much experience within the game to, you know, push and drive her her team to to do great things. So I'm sure Casey won't be coming into our league to to go. Oh, we we just want to stay up this year.
4: Yeah, I suppose West Ham reaching the cup finals is an example of what can be done uh, in in the first season uh, in the top flight. And in Europe, Chelsea came quite close to upsetting Leon in the Champions League, but they lost narrowly. Uh, the final was Leon against Barcelona next weekend. Who's going to win that one?
3: Ooh, <laughs> I think I think Leon will, but. I, w- I wouldn't be surprised if, if Barcelona upset, um, you know, kind of that Leon drive. I mean, Leon have, have won all trophies in their uh, domestic league. So, yeah, I still can't see a team beating Leon just yet. I think they've still got um, an unbelievable squad and, you know, they've done it time and time again. So, yeah, I mean, it all depends on Barcelona just putting everything out there and trying to win the game.
4: We'll watch it with interest. Thanks very much, Jordan.
3: Thank you. Thanks very much.
4: That's it all for this episode. And for this week, we'll be back with you on Monday with our final show of the Premier League season. You can, of course, contact me on Twitter if you'd like to. Before then, it's at Tom with an H, Gibbs. Don't forget to send us an email as well. The address is at afcpodcast.telegraph.co.uk. We will read out the best of what you send us. Make it funny. Every chance I'll be saying your name into this microphone come Monday. Don't forget to subscribe as well. Look for Audio Football Club wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks to Elliot Lampitt and Theodora Leludis on the buttons. And thanks to you for your company. I'll talk to you again soon.